Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath for the second hour of the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women and they about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. It's always a pleasure to be here with you and to continue this sex and tonight relationship show. Trying to focus on that, going outside of my comfort zone based on some feedback that I received. I do really feel that relationships are important and uh, sex, too. But a lot of women don't realize, well, that's what I see in my clinical practice anyway, that they don't realize the importance of sex in a relationship. So to that end, what is domestic bliss? I'm going to talk about that on the show. What exactly does domestic bliss mean, and what does it mean to you? There's a couple of uh, schools of thought on it, so I will review those. Also in this hour, what are my top secrets for having a great relationship? I think insight is one of them. Being an agreeable person is something else as well, aside from that. Uh, Also your questions about premature ejaculation, which is a male issue and erectile dysfunction. So I'm also going to talk about female ejaculation. What what it is, what you can do, how you can have it, experience it, perhaps. What are some of the myths around it? And then I will get to threesomes and moresomes. And uh, I had a question from a listener, and she asked about why her male lover, who was married and in a prominent position, would have turned down an offer for a foursome that involved her, another man, another woman. And uh, I said it's about the trust. Uh, You can trust women in that situation, but not another man. And then also a lot of men are not comfortable uh, tip to tip with another man, shall I say. (laughs) I'll be talking as well about the Gian Gameshi case. We can never talk about that too much uh, or the subject of what to do with unwanted sexual advances, sexual assault, sexual trauma, sexual abuse. We can never discuss that enough because that has to end. It's a very common issue, but where do we go from here in terms of that? So let's begin with secrets to having a great relationship. Uh, There are so many places uh, for couples to get advice on what behaviors make a great relationship. There are psychotherapists and counselors, clinical counselors, and even psychiatrists, your general practitioner friends. There's blogs about it, books, articles. There are so many places to go for suggestions about how intimate partners can be successful. And even when they embrace great communication, which is difficult to do, Here it comes again, sexual regeneration, trust, and endurance during the tough times are things that will help to see your relationship through to the long-term. Long-term relationships can pose issues in a couple's intimate life because some of the same problems can keep coming up or not. Things may not come up, may not turn up or stand up. There's so much information about what can sabotage a relationship as well. So you want to avoid the disasters before they happen. And there's very little information or literature on how to do that. And that is largely in part about personal relationship or openness about personal relationships. So 
people are struggling to find the right person, they struggle to build a quality relationship and hang on to it. One, you know, men and women and they are quite different. The different types of relationships, the same-sex relationships, heterosexual relationships. You may have been in a heterosexual relationship for a time and then you're in a same-sex relationship, so things can change. You may have gotten together with somebody in your 20s and now in your 40s and you're a different person. So there's so many different scenarios and there's so much wisdom and advice out there. Some things work, some things don't. You can go to therapists and continuously go there and things will never change in your relationship. You have to have buy-in. So there's from both. You can't go to therapy for the other person in the relationship. There's many couples in great relationships that don't even follow this popular wisdom, but they prosper in their relationship as well. So it's easy for some people. It's not so easy for others. But some of the things that I feel are important based on my clinical practice, based on some of the research that I've done, uh, is, uh, are the following. <laughs> These are quite important. Number one, you don't share private knowledge of each other without permission. I think that is important, especially, in fact, that's number one, especially with the Internet, because the Internet has many options for communications, and there's hardly anything anyone can do or say that is not in some data bank somewhere. You've got to be really careful about what you share. You've got to be respectful about what the comfort level is of your partner and what they want to share you to share about them. So par partners who deeply respect each other's vulnerable secrets keep those between them. And I think that's something vital to keep between the sheets. I have Maggie on the line. She has a sex life with boyfriend question. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Maureen. How are you? Good. Great. Hi, I'm just listening to the show now, and um, I just have a question. Uh, I've been with this guy for, uh, for my boyfriend for like a couple of years now. Yes. And our sex life was great and was really passionate and everything was great. However, in last a year, I would say, uh, every time we have sex, it, it includes like I would have to dress up and... Uh, uh, watch porn or with him in order to even to even have sex with him. It's and is this even, your? Is this something you feel you have to do? Because yes, he okay. would always he would always initiate that. So and I would always I would go with it and uh, it's fun because obviously he's my boyfriend and I love him and everything everything is great. But and I didn't talk to him about this obviously. But I'm I'm just wondering like in the past at the beginning it wasn't like that like first maybe year or so it was you know maybe sometimes sure I would put something on it was like a treat but now it, it became a routine like it doesn't happen without me dressing up and you know doing and, certain things watching porn or doing certain things that uh, otherwise it, it pretty much doesn't happen. Are you finding yourself? Bored in the bedroom, Maggie? A little bit. Yeah. I, I'm just, yeah, a little bit bored, and I'm just, yeah, I feel like I need to perform all the time, if you know what I mean. Like, I need to, like... Oh, I know what you mean, Maggie. 
yeah. <laughs> all the time, like ready and and dressed and yes. confident and everything else. And it's it's a little bit too much. It just takes away romance and love or anything else. Yes. Now that seems to be turning him on. So I'm like, uh, and are you communicating with him? Are you talking to him about this? No, no. Sometimes he mentions he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you are okay with this, right?" And I and I say yes, but but you're not. Yeah, but I'm not. Yeah, so that's one of the problems. The other thing is women are socialized. We're the ones to bring the fun and games into the bedroom. We're the ones to dress up. We're to be the border guard and the, you know, the newly entering resident or the doctor nurse uh, or patient doctor, whatever. Um, yeah. The role playing and and men aren't taught you know to dress up as zorro or superman or they're really not socialized to to make it fun and that's why women actually report more boredom in the bedroom than men do and so it sounds like you're needing a little bit more excitement to actually get aroused and also goes along with there's a hormone in the brain that decreases after about 18 months pea and that is associated with sexual desire in women. Okay. And so as it drops after about 18 months, and you describe you've been with him <laughs> for two years, so it's around that that same time. That's probably, yeah, yeah. Are you be, resenting yeah. him for this? Because contempt in a relationship can be problematic. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit, because it, it becomes like, oh, okay, now I have to, I know what I have to do. I can see, I can feel you eye-rolling. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, Are you eye-rolling? Yes, here I go again. Exactly. And so how often, how yeah. often are you having sex? <laughs> the, um, the age-old question, everybody wants to know what's normal. Know, maybe, like, I don't know, a couple times a week. Has that decreased from the initial, Yeah. when you first yeah. met? Yeah, yeah, which that, that happens yeah. as well. Yeah. Yes. yes. And you're still attracted to him? Has he? Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. It's just really, uh, it's, yeah, it's becoming a little bit. Yeah, a, a lot of work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How about um, bringing some other things into the bedroom, like a womanizer? <laughs> which is, <laughs> which is not the typical one. Men or? No, not a, <laughs> no, no, this is a better one. This is associated with pleasure, not pain. But you can actually bring another man into the, you can. <laughs> I don't think he would go for that. Stay tuned for the threesome. Yeah. No, no, no. That that's no. Most guys don't want uh most guys don't want the the two males, one female. Not one dad, but No, but um would he I mean, you know, some I'm going to be talking about threesomes a bit later, but uh, the more common one is of course the FFM. Uh, would would he be interested? Or you, more importantly, would you be interested in? Maybe yes, but yeah, I don't know. I would more um, for me. I, I'm just looking to bring back intimacy and what we had before. Then, and ha- why haven't you talked to him about this? Uh, I don't know. I just yeah, I didn't. I, I always say, yes, I enjoy it, and I do. It's not that I don't. It's not like, I, I mostly I don't want to disappoint him, I guess. That's, that's like my main, maybe stupid, but that's pretty much. <laughs> well, you know, you got to think of yourself, Maggie, as well. You don't want to disappoint yeah. yourself. You know, the onus is not necessarily just on you to bring the excitement into the bedroom. It's a fair game, and yeah. each needs to play their role, pun intended. So maybe he can take on some of that. 
okay. Maybe that would be more exciting. But the Womanizer is actually a sex toy. And in the next few weeks, I'm actually going to be giving out some sex toys. I've got my work cut out for me. I had a large shipment of uh, <laughs> sex toys <laughs> sent to me. Um, okay. Yes, from WeVibe. And so I've got a lot of different, five or six different uh, sex toys to test out. So I'm going to be bringing them into my research center and <laughs> having Great. my employee, yours truly, test them. And then I'll be giving them out in the coming weeks. So you may want to bring some sex toys into the relationship. You may want to bring somebody else into the relationship. Uh, yeah, I would try sex toys. That, that's, I would try that. Yeah. So I, talking, as you said, probably talking would be... Talking would be key. Yeah, That's good. The hardest thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really hard for couples to talk amongst themselves about Sometimes, this kind yeah. of a thing. It's. I don't know why we're not socialized to do that. But you know, if you, if you can't talk, you bring a toy. <laughs> <laughs> that you might try that. But I wanted to say there's other. There's another great toy called a bijou diamond. It's really a lovely sex toy. And you know what? You're you've just won one. I'm going to get one to you. That's going to no. help things to get you started. No. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and for being I so... Asked, where can I get them? But no. Uh, no. Yeah, you're going to get that. So you can uh, leave your information with Mike. You can pick it up here on the 20th floor, okay? Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so Thank welcome. You. Thanks for the call. That's fantastic. Thanks, Thanks so much. You're welcome. Okay, I think we probably have to go to break now. Uh, <laughs> that's a great call. And anyone that shares that and, you know, ask these questions. When women share stories, they empower other girls and women. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the second hour of the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I'm Maureen McGrath. I'm your host. I'm a registered nurse. I'm a sexual health advisor, blogger, researcher, lover of life, and all things relationships. Tonight, anyway, we're trying to talk more about relationships, uh, and I've uh, we did address cuckolding earlier. If you were not um, here, if you're just joining me now, that's great to have you. If you're if you weren't listening, we were talking about cuckoldry, which is basically bringing somebody else into the relationship, and it's watching your female partner have sex with generally another. Man, so that's interesting. So I had an email from somebody, dear Maureen, very intrigued by cuckolding. Didn't know what that was, and I didn't even realize it existed. Thank you very much. Yours, Leslie. I'm so happy to help Leslie <laughs> share this information to make your relationship that much better. Give it a try. Let me know how it works out. We'll do a show with you. Um Anyway, we're getting back to, I was talking about 14 secrets to having a great relationship. So I encourage openness. If you were there on the call where Maggie had phoned in and she was having difficulty talking about some of the issues she was having back to the bedroom with her boyfriend of two years. She was the one who had the onus to dress up and make the sex exciting. Actually, more women report boredom in the bedroom than men do. And yes, women do cheat. Uh, so I encourage openness in a couple. I also encourage you to respect and honor unequal appetites. So that means that no couple has exactly the same needs at any time or at the same time 
or feels the exact same intensity when they do occur. Whether that has to do with sexual frequency, I'm sorry, I just can't get off the sex, social attachments, work obligations, family obligations, distribution of assets, personal availability, that kind of thing, interest in sports, you need to honor each other when the other person doesn't necessarily get what they want. You're not not always going to get what you want. You can't please all the people all the time in the relationship. So be fair when you negotiate your differences. Also hold the same commitment to mutually created relationship rules. So there's that underlying parallel commitment to the same basic values that are unique to every relationship. Understanding that people do change and you want to keep those beliefs up to date. So don't change without checking in with your partner first. So you don't want to all of a sudden be like, an extramarital affair is a game changer for me. That's the tipping point. And then all of a sudden you're like later, yeah, I decided that it's not a game changer anymore. And I think I'll have an extramarital affair. So you can't change the rules without keeping that line of communication open. I like that couples to have an emotional red phone connection that is available at all times. Every single couple will argue. Every single person in a couple or in a relationship in a twosome, threesome, foursome, moresome will feel deep hurt and anger when they can't seem to satisfy the other without giving up themselves. So even in the midst of the most difficult times of your life, if either partner is in trouble, those resentments need to be instantly replaced with compassion and support. So you can't have had an argument the night before you're not speaking and then the next day your spouse loses their job and you decide because you're angry with them because of the event the night before or lack of event, uh, you're not going to support them in their job loss. So that's what that means. So also you want to personally experience each other's sorrow and that's empathy and compassion You want to care about the other person's pain. So feel for the other person. Feel what it's like to walk in their shoes. Even if that other person can't take the caring right away, it doesn't mean you don't offer it. Of course, I promote and recommend mutual emotional chivalry. Sacrifice is often required in great relationships, but martyrdom and resentment can annul those positive effects of that one kind of one-sided generosity. So partners who love each other deeply, they give from the heart whenever they can, even when that sacrifice may require giving up their own needs. But, um, you know, you don't want to be giving up your own needs all the time to the point where you're exhausted and you're resentful and you're upset and you don't feel that there's a balance of power in the relationship or that things aren't fair. Trust each other's good intentions. Never put that down. Everyone's self-centered, self-promoting at times, and some behaviors are driven by altruism and selfishness at one time. But if you trust each other, know that underlying commitment to care for the other is always underneath and available. Expect others to be courageous and strong when needed. You need to be able to rely on somebody, so you need to be as strong as possible because everybody's going to have different troubles in life. So, you know, commit to loving after every deep rupture. That's, that's, that needs nothing more than to say that. Commit to that love. Always commit to doing the best that you can. Know that you're in it for the long haul. and It'll be up and down. There'll be, you'll stumble on the gravel road of life and never kick the other one when they're down. 
and treasure your partner's presence in your life. Anyway, when I come back, we're going to talk about female ejaculation. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the second hour of the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I'm Maureen McGrath. I'm your host. I'm a registered nurse. I'm a sexual health advisor, blogger, researcher, lover of life, and all things relationships. On to female ejaculation, which I have promised for a bit. Female ejaculation is not a myth, much to your chagrin, but it is an elusive phenomenon for many women because it's not really discussed widely. But I discuss anything related to sex. I am I meant to do something relationship. Anyway, all right, next, I will. Um, many women feel embarrassed when it happens because often they think it is urine. And you know what? Quite honestly, it can be urine. So not to be confused with urine. Um, so it's, it's difficult to know. And I've actually seen women who leak urine when they exercise, they run, and they sneeze and cough, and they leak a little bit of urine. And then they... Um, they lick a little bit of urine, and then they have a procedure, a transobturator tape, which is a TOT or a TVT, transvaginal tape, little procedure to help with their leakage of urine when they are running, coughing, sneezing, and then no longer do they experience female ejaculation. And then they come and complain, and they say, I don't ejaculate anymore. Well, those women likely were leaking urine at orgasm. So that's something that you need to be aware of. Uh, but a lot of doctors do assume that it is urine, but it may not necessarily be. So some of the treatments for this phenomenon, if you will, especially if it was confused with urine and misdiagnosed as leaking urine, they would recommend exercises to strengthen your pelvic floor muscles, such as Kegel exercises, which is not a bad idea anyway, because that increases pelvic floor blood flow and helps to have increased sexual satisfaction, which will make your relationship that much better. Uh, some women do leak a little urine during sex, as I said, especially at the point of orgasm. Uh, so just be aware of that. Many researchers and scientists believe now that the ejaculate of women comes from the skein's glands, which are located on the anterior wall of the vagina at around the lower end of the urethra, the tube where the urine passes out. But we really don't know where it comes from. And it's something that requires further study. Of course, since we focus so much more on men in this world, we will continue to study premature ejaculation and not female ejaculation because it's a man's world and life isn't fair. I digress. I have nothing against you guys. You know I'm crazy about you. Um, But anyway, as far as the amount of ejaculate, a woman can release as little as a teaspoonful or less or a capful, but some claim to squirt a great deal more than that. Some studies suggest that all women ejaculate when they reach orgasm, but instead of the fluid being released from the vagina, it's pushed back up into the bladder, and that we call retrograde ejaculate. So the muscles tighten after climax, and the ejaculate either goes outside of the body or inside of the body, and that's why there's varying amounts of ejaculate. The UK has actually banned female ejaculation in their porn uh, flicks, <laughs> porn shows, so which is interesting. Some, I mean, of course, porn is so fake anyway, but and especially they have like garden hose squirting. So, you know, anyway, I digress once again. A lot of people ask if female ejaculation can be taught. You know, in a way, yes, 
but it actually is something to be achieved. And it's achieved by stimulating the G-spot. And it's a great sex toy to stimulate the G-spot is the magic banana. Uh, that is a female sexual exploration device in addition to a pelvic floor muscle exerciser. But the G-spot is considered an erotic zone. It's internally, it's also located at the front of the vagina. It's very difficult for women to locate the G-spot or for their partners, male or female, to find that G-spot. A lot of people don't believe that it exists, but a lot of women report that it does. The area is intimately connected with the urethra, and so pressure on the G-spot area will invariably produce a desire to void. So you want to be aware of that as well. So pressing on the area of the G-spot would affect the Skeen's glands, and that may increase the ability for female ejaculation. But if you're the type of person that has retrograde ejaculation as a woman, your ejaculate is going to go into your bladder. There's nothing you can do to increase the amount that much that some of it is going to uh, go out. But if you are the type that has a small amount um, and you want to experience its powers and it does actually leave your body through the vagina, the way to experience this is to find a position such as the man from behind or the woman on top because these two positions will offer the right stimulation, friction, and deep penetration. Uh, And your partner will need to build up pressure on that G-spot as he thrusts while either of you stimulates your clitoris at the same time. So that, you know, you want to all hands on deck, shall we say. Uh, As you approach and reach orgasm, push out hard with your pelvic floor muscles rather than squeezing in. We have a tendency to squeeze in. So that's a natural. So you've got to be really mindful and push things out. As I recommend for your relationship, you can use a sex toy with or without the help of a partner. There's a number of them that are great. The clitoral suckling devices are fantastic. The one that I recommend is the womanizer. There likely will be more coming on the market. So to all the companies out there developing them, send them to me. I'll try them for you. Do a testimonial and give some out on the air. So we all benefit. It's a win, win, win little threesome. Uh, there's also some sex toys that have a special curve and they have a G-spot stimulator. So look for those. You can go on my website, backtothebedroom.ca, if you want to look for any one of those sex toys that will help to increase the intimacy and make your relationship that much better. Not every woman can easily ejaculate. Keep that in mind. Don't be disheartened if it doesn't work as you expect. It does take practice, education, understanding of your anatomy. I hear a lot of women will say, I don't know where my uh, labia is, my vulva. I don't know where the urethra is, what it is. Uh, I think it's a tumor when it's actually their cervix that has fallen down. So Uh, Lots of confusion around that. Educate yourself about that. Feel yourself. Experience yourself. Explore yourself. Know what feels good. Uh, Take time for yourself to yourself. So if you pay attention to this very special part of your body, you will reap the rewards, I have no doubt. But since your G-spot may not be accustomed to stimulation, you may have to work on it regularly. Not a bad thing. Empty the dishwasher or work on my G-spot. I think I'll choose the latter. Uh, So anyway... Ditch the housework, pick up the G-spot, because you have to uh, begin to become open and become sensitized to that touch. It can be too much for some women, so you have to get used to it. You can also create G-spot rituals, G-spot stimulation rituals with your partner or on your own by yourself, and practice makes perfect. So keep going with the flow to master this trick, my friends, and... uh, Things may improve in the bedroom for you, and you might notice that your relationship is that much better as well. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. 
Uh, we were talking about female ejaculation. It reminds me of orgasm, experiencing orgasm, which I actually think is really important for women, but a lot of people don't. And so in terms of domestic bliss, what does that mean? Is that like keeping your house perfectly clean and the kids in order and everything is done, the bills are paid, and you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off and never having sex or not taking the time to have sex and that's going to impact your relationship negatively because both are important, treating each other with respect and having sex. But in that pursuit of sexual gratification, uh, you know, there's a few things you want to consider. So how is it that we keep an established relationship healthy from that perspective? So there's a couple of perspectives around experiencing orgasm for women. In, her, in, in Esther Perel's book, Mating in Captivity, Esther Perel is a New York-based psychotherapist. She emphasizes the importance of eroticism and orgasm in a marriage, and I happen to agree with her on this. She chronicles the typical dissolution of a couple's sex life when the love bond becomes politically correct and excessively domesticated. In other words, the house matters more than the bed. So to avoid that sexual staleness, Perel advocates unusual strategies such as cultivating separateness, developing different interests. So you play the guitar, let him go mountain bike riding. You go fishing. Let her go to the choir. Um, so also establish different groups of friends from those of your partner. So instead of closeness as a way of making your partner more mysterious and exciting, separateness makes your partner more exciting. So it's like when two doctors, although it can be a very successful relationship, or two nurses or two engineers, there's so much sameness. And maybe you can get bored by that. So even when you're choosing a mate choosing to get married, in addition to finding someone who's agreeable, not a, a martyr, self-confident, funny, happy, you might want to think about somebody who's completely in a different field than you are. So you want to look for creative ways to let fantasy and a little craziness thrive within the confines of your long-term relationship, especially if you want it to be long-term. Other psychologists advise against placing too much emphasis on orgasm in a mature relationship. So in her book, Peace Between the Sheets, couples therapist Marnia Robinson suggests that the journey to orgasm renders us prisoners to dopamine, a neurotransmitter secreted in the brain's reward system. And what is wrong with that? Um, after all, dopamine underlies addictive behavior, she says, from gambling to drug abuse. But if you get your pleasure in your own home, in your own bed, or perhaps in another room of the house, uh, what is wrong with that? So Robinson feels partners should mutually unite in pleasure without the sexual relationship necessarily having to be crowned by orgasm. I don't know. What do you think? You can email me, sextalk at cknw.com. Do you think orgasm is important in a relationship? Uh, I think women, only about a third of women experience orgasm, and so I think that is problematic. Uh, I think we need to put a little bit more focus on that so that women enjoy sex more and women will want to have sex more as much as men do. It seems like men want to have more sex than women, do you think? Anyway, uh, when I come back, I'm going to uh, talk about how we can bring threesomes into our relationship finally and what are some of the positions that make it feel good i'm maureen mcgrath you're listening to the cknw sunday night sex show
I'm Maureen McGrath. Welcome back. I'm sorry I sang for you. (laughs) My favorite song, and Mike knows that. We're talking about threesomes, and that might be your favorite thing to do, especially if you are a guy. It's pretty well known that it is a guy's number one fantasy, but threesomes are not like regular sex. They require both imagination and sensitivity. So if you plan on having a threesome, you need to go into the situation with some idea of what you're going to be doing. So you need some rules. In life, we always need rules. One thing uh, that uh, generally men prefer, you know, FFM, two females and a male, and generally the woman seeks out the third in a threesome. So I'm always suspect when a guy is seeking out uh, a woman for or two. Uh, in a threesome. And so that can really be related to a number of things. It can be related to the fact that he's married and he's actually looking to have a threesome with two women uh, outside of his relationship. So uh, anyway, it's generally women. Of course, we do all the work and generally uh, women are seeking. But you need to establish the rules for these various types of threesomes that you can enjoy. Um, You can, of course, if you're bi-curious, you may you know, be a woman who wants another uh, woman there, but some women also like two men and a and one woman, just them. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, that'd be my preference. <laughs> I digress. Uh, but anyway, rule number one is establish the rules. So if you're the one that's going to have two women and a man, you want to, and you're going to have, so you're going to have sex with, you're the guy, you're going to have sex with two women, and all three of you have your own rules and limits. So understanding and respecting each other's comfort levels is key, and that should be the top priority. So you need to actually be kind of generous here, kind of think of somebody else, some compassion. Uh, So respect other people's limits. Know that you might feel jealous if you're not the center of attention. Uh, And you want to also keep in mind that the object of the game is to share sex between three people. So that's where different positions come into play. Uh, some guys have problems when it's two men and a woman. Some guys are like, no, you know, I don't want the other guy there. But there are, there are ways that uh, uh, like a man can enter the woman from behind and then the woman can perform fellatio on the man in front so that the two men never actually touch one another. Um, so regardless of the type, just uh, establish your rules And um, a lot of people drink their way to this sexual bravery. So keep that in mind as well. If you need a cocktail or two to loosen up, that's okay. But no more because you do want to be at peak performance. Be as giving as you can in a threesome. Although most guys are probably hoping that the two women will give you 100% of their attention. The truth is that they are there to please each other just as much as they're there to please you. So don't let jealousy or envy get in the way. Or if you're feeling ignored, you know, uh, try to get over it. Uh, So the best way to approach this situation and an important threesome rule is to forget your feelings at the door, (laughs) at least for a moment. Try and be as generous with your hands and your mouth as you can to all parties involved. Try not to leave someone out. Of course, with uh, one man and two women, the Holy Grail may only go to one woman, so that can be a problem as well. Whatever. Try and think of a threesome as a treat. So instead of expecting anything in particular, like getting oral sex from both women at once, enjoy anything that comes your way. Uh, So we'll have to get a little bit more into that. Uh, next week, perhaps. I can't believe we're running out of time with a two-hour show. Maybe it is four hours of sex that we need and relationships. Um, So 
We'll get into more positions next week. But this week I had a question from a gentleman. He's 37 years of age. He had premature ejaculation. He said sex ended too soon. And also he was unable to stand up. So I interpreted that to mean that uh, he had erectile dysfunction and that he also had premature ejaculation. So he was wondering if there were some treatments for those. And he was, a, as he said, he was a hefty guy, a large uh, abdomen. And um, he, so I suggested you know, that he needs to speak to his doctor about this and he needs to take some weight off in his abdomen, have his testosterone level checked. Um, he also needs to have his blood pressure checked, cardiovascular workup. So it's important to have that rapport with his doctor in terms of premature ejaculation. Aside from thinking of your mother-in-law, uh, that will certainly slow things down. You may want to try Uxor, U-X-O-R. It is a topical benzocaine treatment for, uh, to actually help to slow things down. It is available at London Drugs, I know for sure. And I think it's in, yeah, it's, it's definitely at London Drugs. So, um, that is an option. It's new to Canada. It's been in the States for a while. So now on to the Gian Gameshi. The Gian Gameshi mess. Uh, you know, a lot of people were disappointed with the verdict, but I think if you followed the case in any way at all, you you know, that it was not beyond a reasonable doubt. I am no lawyer. I'm not going to try and pretend to be one. But um, I think what what is in that situation is the judge had issues with some of the discrepancies and the fact that the discrepancies in the complainant's testimonies were not substantiated. They were not explained. They were not they they didn't go into enough depth about them. Of course, the case is 10 years old or more, and it's very difficult to remember that. I had a situation at work about almost a year ago. And I documented everything. I wrote down everything about it, every word that was said. And uh, about, well, just recently, I had to tap into that document uh, because I had to report that situation. And I read it over again. And also, it's time-stamped, so it, it doesn't show that I've never changed it since that original time. And so when I reported that situation, I just reviewed it. I happened to read it, just opened it and read it, and um, I was like, it's only been a year or less, and some of the things I was like, wow, I didn't remember that. I didn't remember that part. You know, I think of myself as pretty sharp, and it was a pretty stressful time, I have to say, and so that's the importance of documentation. So I think in the future, a lot of women don't report because they think that the justice system will fail them. Well, I was, I've been in New England recently, and there was a case there, where a teenage boy raped and murdered his high school art teacher. And he was just convicted while I was there. He was convicted to, or sentenced, sorry. He was convicted and sentenced to life in prison. The justice system works, but you have to play fair. You have to, we have to, as women, we have to be as strong as Marie Hennon, that lawyer. She went at those witnesses. We have to go at those men who sexually assault us, sexually abuse us. And it's really tough, but women, we need a moratorium on, a worldwide moratorium on ending violence against women. And we need to support women and believe women when they say it happened. And we need to support them also to not to collude with other people, but to just tell one trusted person, go directly to the hospital, go directly to the police, write down, take one of those apps, record it, 
We need to record, report, and we will be able to rewrite history, but we have to change it. It's not working now. So we'll perhaps get a bit more into that in the coming weeks as well. Uh, Don't forget, I'm going to be speaking at the TEDx Stanley Park on May 28th about the no-sex marriage, putting lust and passion back in when technology has taken it away. Uh, You can go to my website, www.backtothebedroom.ca. Follow me on Twitter, at back, the number two, the bedroom. Remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.